Hi, I'm Yusuf Hassan, and you're listening to Africa Aware, a podcast from the Chatham House Africa program. Welcome back to Africa Aware, and welcome back to the second episode of Hashtag Nigeria Decides, a special miniseries focused on upcoming elections in Nigeria. Nigeria's Electoral Act, enacted in February 2022, has contributed to improved hope around the election process, reflected in the addition of 12.29 million new voters, 9.51 million of which were then validated in Nigeria's voter registration exercise, bringing the total number of registered voters to more than 93 million people. For this episode, I am honoured to be joined by Professor Mahmoud Yakubu, Chairman of the Independent National Electoral Commission of Nigeria. I interviewed Professor Yakubu alongside my colleague, Dr. Lena Komni Hoffman, who some of you will remember from the first episode of this mini-series. Throughout this wide-ranging discussion, we discussed INEX preparations ahead of the election, the implementation of technology, and how electoral security, both physical and cyber, was being prioritised amidst a challenging period for the country. We hope you enjoy listening. Professor Mahmoud Yakubu is a chairman of the Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, Nigeria's election management body. He was first appointed to the office in November 2015 and reappointed in November 2020 for another tenure for five years, making him the first INEC chairman to be appointed to conduct general elections in two electoral cycles. Professor Yakubu is a faculty member of the Department of History and War Studies at the Nigerian Defence Academy, Kaduna, since 1993 and served as the Executive Secretary of the Tertiary Education Trust Fund from 2008 to 2012, where he was formerly Assistant Secretary in charge of Finance and Administration during the National Conference in 2014. Thank you so much, Professor Yakubi, for joining us on Africa, where today it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And to begin immediately, I'd like to pass it over to my colleague, Dr. Lina. Thank you very much, Yusuf, and I will thank you as well, um, Prof, for joining us on this interview for our Africa Aware audience. Our first question to begin with is on the Commission's priorities. How is INEC balancing its many priorities ahead of the elections, including procedural matters and implementation of the new electoral technologies following the 2022 Electoral Act? And I'll just add to that question in thinking about priorities. What are the wider issues, specifically those that cannot be addressed through digitization, such as electoral inclusion? And we're thinking here of internally displaced persons, security challenges across the country and concerns about voter integrity and voter integrity on Election Day. Well, thank you very much. You asked a very loaded question. Uh, So where do I start from? What are our priorities? I think the major priority or the main priority for any electoral commission around the world is the integrity of the process. Electoral commissions are interested in process. And therefore, the process to be credible, there are a number of actions that have to be taken. First, the voter register, which is biometric in our own country and availability of the voters' cards, uh, which are making the cards available for citizens um, in Nigeria to collect. And thereafter, other aspects, uh, learning from previous experience, uh, we have made haste slowly, for instance. Many of our processes are now automated, from the voter registration to accreditation of voters, 
um, they're all automated um, processes. So we're interested also in, in the integrity of these automated um, processes. We're interested in inclusion so that as much as possible, citizens, irrespective of disability or other challenges, are also sufficiently involved. Because you can have a democracy that is exclusive. A democracy must always be inclusive. To make the processes easier for citizens, to make the voting experience more pleasant for citizens. And at the end of the day, whatever they choose becomes the outcome of the election. So electoral integrity is really very critical. But as I said, you ask a loaded questions. So if you unbundle, I may respond to specific issues. Thank you very much for that answer. And yes, the process and the integrity of the process is critically important. I think to unbundle that question, maybe what I would ask if you could focus on are the issues that aren't addressed through digitization. So in practical terms, how is the INEC commission, how is the commission looking at including, I think maybe specifically internally displaced persons, in the presentation and the Q&A, you spoke about how we want to ensure, the INEC wants to ensure that displaced people aren't disenfranchised. But how are you ensuring that for individuals, uh, people who are displaced outside of camps? So it's not everyone that is able to find accommodation, for example, in a camp that is recognized by the Nigerian government. Well, for victims of unfortunate displacement arising from a number of factors, either the prevailing insecurity in the country or um, natural causes like flooding and other natural factors, the most important thing for us is to ensure that those who are registered as voters are not disenfranchised in any way. So when displacement comes, it means that elections can hold in those locations where citizens have been displaced. So, but where are the citizens? If, for instance, they are in internally displaced persons' camps, that is what we call the IDPs, then obviously the commission will have to make an arrangement, as I said, to recreate the polling units to enable those citizens to exercise their franchise. But in some cases, the internally displaced persons may not be in those camps. They are staying with relations and friends in safer communities, in urban and suburban areas. That become a bit more challenging. But in 2015, the commission evolved the policy of voting by internally displaced persons. At that time, the challenge was mainly confined to the northeastern part of the country and part of the north central. Unfortunately, now it's a bit more widespread to other parts of the country. But we have the framework, we have the policy, and it's the same mechanism that we apply irrespective of where displacement occurs and where citizens are. Once they are organized into camps, we can recreate those polling units and citizens will not be disenfranchised for that reason, they will vote. We're right now making arrangement after reviewing the policy and the framework and after validating the same documents, after consultation with the stakeholders, to ensure that citizens are not disenfranchised in any way. So we have 2.7 million. Uh, we have identified the locations of displacement and will extend electoral services to those internally displaced citizens. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, a question on some of the lessons that INEC has learned over the last couple of years, but particularly in the context of the adoption of the new Electoral Act. 
Can you just briefly tell us what have been some of the main challenges and lessons learned from the trialing and adoption of technological systems in the recent off-cycle governorship elections? So the ones in Anambra, Ekiti and Oshun states, as well as the ones in the FCT area council elections. Mm. Are there some key ones that come to mind in terms of the lessons that you've learned? And it'll be interesting to hear some of the adaptations and ways in which INEC is responding to those. Okay, you mentioned four specific locations, three governorship elections in Anambra in November 2021, and then Ekiti Oshun in June and July 2022, and the area council elections in the Federal Capital Territory in February 2022. The Federal Capital Territory in Abuja is the only part of Nigeria where INEC conducts local government elections. Um, in other words, all the other elections are conducted by the state electoral commissions. Mm. Yes, these were not the only elections where we deployed technology. Uh, in fact, if you take uh, one of the major innovations introduced, which is the electronic transmission of results from the polling units, we used the, before the beavers, we used the Z-pad to transmit from Nasarawa Central constituency by election way back in August 2020. And since then, actually, we have uploaded results from the polling units successfully in 105 constituencies. So we are reasonably confident in the pilots that we have undertaken, and the pilot is getting increasingly better. When we conducted the governorship election in Ekiti State in June last year, one of my friends called me and said, well, Ekiti is small with a voter population of just under 1 million. What is going to happen when you go to Oshun with twice the number of local governments or almost, and also twice the number or almost of the registered voters? I said, is um, the same framework, the same methodology. And if it worked in uh, Ekiti to look in Oshun, Hmm. and actually Oshun turned out to be better than Ekiti. So we are going into the general election confident Uh, that these processes will work nationwide. What is very interesting is the increasing confidence of citizens in technology as the antidote to some of the untoward activities or attitudes of those who disrupted elections previously. And with this, uh, we won't let Nigerians down. We'll continue to do whatever we can to support these processes. I know that whatever agency that has web presence Uh, sometimes concerns will be expressed about the protection of these web assets. We are aware of that, but we are reasonably confident about the protective measures around our web assets. Uh, We'll continue to fortify and protect those assets, but these are not matters you discuss publicly. That actually kind of preempts the question that we had, but I I, I want us to continue on the lessons and I I will hand over to uh, my colleague Yusuf. Thank you so much for that overview. A question that I, of course, will have. As the Africa program, we cover the whole sub-Saharan continent in that sense. So therefore, what lessons can be learned from other countries who've implemented these types of systems, in particular Ghana, Kenya, and of course the DRC? Well, I don't know much about uh, the deployment of technology in elections in the DRC, but I am uh, more familiar with the deployment of the KIMS kit in Kenya. I was in Nairobi in August 2017 and also in August last year. Uh, So I observed two successive elections. 
Now, one lesson from the deployment of technology in Kenya is that in 2017, the Electoral Commission wanted to transmit raw figures from the polling units directly for collation. And there were issues. Learning from the experience of Kenya, what we did in Nigeria from August 2020, two years before the general elections in Kenya, was to say, instead of transmitting figures, why don't we transmit scanned images of polling unit level results? This is not as susceptible to hacking as transmitting raw figures. And I was happy when I arrived Kenya in August uh, last year to see that they are transmitting results in more or less the same way that we have been transmitting results for the 105 constituencies I mentioned earlier in Nigeria. And it worked very well, uh, much better this time around. So, yes, we learned a lot from each other. Uh, it's a peer learning process whenever elections take place in any country and we visit. And one of my takeaways from uh, Kenya in 2017 is the need to make haste slowly when you deploy technology, particularly for the purpose of transmission of results. Now, interestingly, both in Kenya and Nigeria, and I'm sure Ghana as well, we don't do electronic voting yet, but at least we are doing electronic accreditation of voters. And the electronic accreditation of voters, to the electronic accreditation of voters, we have now added the transmission of results. So look at the processes. We have the biometric register of voters, complete with the biometric voters' cards. Next, we are doing biometric or electronic accreditation of voters. In the case of Kenya, they're using the KMS kit. In the case of Nigeria, we're using the BIVAS. And then we have also started uploading polling unit level results. So the next stage will be to see how you can combine all these three elements into something else, possibly um, electronic voting. But all nations must proceed gradually and also to make haste slowly particularly with the deployment of technology. So yes, we have um, been speaking to each other, we have been visiting each other, we have been learning from each other, and we'll continue to do so. Thank you very much. And, and it's really very interesting to, to hear this arc of improvement. And um, I like the frame that you use about making haste slowly and to test and scale and test and scale and learning lessons along the way. Mm. Um, so to the point I made earlier about preempting a, a question, I know you can't detail to us the architecture of your network security system, but if you could give us an idea as well if there have been um, significant changes or improvements in your digital checks and balances that you've put in place to ensure that the results management process and other digitized elements of the election are not vulnerable to rigging. This is a concern for um, voters, of course, and to the point you were making earlier about um, the integrity and voters trusting the system. Are there any checks and balances that you've put in place, implemented maybe since the Electoral Act, that guarantee the security of the results of the elections? I think it is obvious to me and all election management bodies that have web presence to always be on top of the game in protecting those assets. Increasingly in Nigeria, the election is going digital. Uh, not just in terms of 
election day activities like transmission of results or accreditation of voters, but also the processes. For instance, registration of voters. But beyond registration of voters, we have several portals. For instance, the nomination of candidates by political parties is now done entirely online. The accreditation of the media for the election is done entirely online. Accreditation of observers, national and international, is also done entirely online. So when you have this kind of assets, you have to be on top of the game to keep protecting those assets. If you take the transmission of results through the IRF portal in Nigeria, for instance, we maintain the facility not just for the uploading of results on election day, but we also maintain those results on the portal because the portal becomes like our archives. So now if anybody is interested for the purpose of research or for whatever reason to look at the results of the first election we conducted in which results were transmitted from the polling unit way back in August 2020, you can easily click the IRF portal and get those results. So in short, any agency such as ours that has a substantial web presence must develop the capacity to protect and to continuously improve the protection processes for these assets is absolutely necessary. But as for the specific steps that we take to protect those processes, uh, this will leave to the technical people in the commission. Thank you so much for that answer. I'm sure many of our colleagues here at Chatham House are observing this will really, really appreciate your, your willingness to share as much as you can. Of course, like I mentioned, we are an international institute based in London. And we're currently in the middle of Nigeria week. You're one of our three speakers over the recent and coming days. My question for you is, what is the role of international partners? Because of course, you know, Nigerian citizens are responsible. Nigerian institutions are responsible. The government is responsible in ensuring and enabling an environment for electoral security and integrity. But what is your message to international partners and what is the support that international partners can provide? And how can these relations be best managed? Well, in Nigeria, we have a very vibrant, I must say also, engaging relationship with the development partners. Election is a capital-intensive activity. And nation's resources, in most cases, cannot provide all the services that the Electoral Commission requires to provide to citizens on election day. For instance, in the area of voter education and publicity, or capacity building of staff, and things like that. So I've been working with the development partners and it has been a very, very happy partnership. But there are core electoral activities that in Nigeria, even if development partners make an offer, will say thank you because these core electoral activities are sovereign responsibilities. And the sovereign republic of Nigeria, the government of Nigeria, will take care of those responsibilities. For instance, IT infrastructure. We jealously guard the IT infrastructure, including, for instance, the voters register. But there are a million and one areas where we cooperate with um, the development partners, inclusivity issues, for instance. So we'll continue to partner with the development partners, but we have set the limits, and the limits are very clearly understood by both the, the development partners and the Electoral Commission. Perfect. Thank you so much, Professor Yuki, for joining us on Africa Aware today. We wish you well and good luck. Um, you have a busy couple of weeks and, and months ahead of you. It's been a pleasure to interview you.
Thank you so very much for your participation. And we look forward to the next election and to all the developments and improvements that INEC are implementing. So let me see the opportunity to also invite you to come and observe the elections in Nigeria in 2023. Uh, it's actually next month. There will be 93 million registered voters. That is what we are going to plan for, for the election. And um, this figure is 16.7 million more than the total number of registered voters in the other 14 countries in West Africa put together. So each time Nigeria go to the polls, it's like the whole of West Africa and beyond going to the polls. So please join us uh, as Nigerians go to the polls. You are welcome. That is a remarkable event to look forward to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings us to an end of this episode of Africa Aware. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please do subscribe to us on the platform you're listening to us on to ensure you don't miss an episode. And do leave a review as that will allow others to find this podcast easier. Thanks for listening to Africa Aware. I've been your host Yusuf Hassan. Goodbye.